Welcome to Fitzarns Property Exchange, hosted by Pearl Skeltimer, designed to keep you informed and captivated about the South African residential property market. Subscribe to our channel today and enjoy conversations with some of the most influential, innovative and interesting industry experts, stakeholders and scheme executives as they render input in today's property market. Good day. I'm Pearl Skeltema, the CEO of Fidzan Estates, and once again, welcome to Fidzan's Property Exchange. My two guests today actually needs no introduction. You have met them both on all the various platforms provided by NAMA, the Let's Get Physical, um, all other webinars and stuff that has to deal with sectional title in general. So my first guest is Linda van der Merwe, who is the co-founder and director of TVDM Consultants. Having grown up in community schemes, pursued her passion by graduating from the University of Stellenbosch with her BA, LLB, LLM cum laude degrees while completing her LLM thesis, specifically focused on the constitutionality of sectional title rules Zelinda undertook a comparative study of strata title in Melbourne, Australia, having worked as a research intern for the South African Research Chair in Property Law. Zelinda contributed towards various property law, neighbour law and sectional title Utah publications. As trustee in both her professional and personal capacities and member of various types of community schemes, Zelinda lives and breathes all aspects of community scheme living. Good morning, Zelinda. Morning, Paul. Thank you so much for the lovely introduction and thank you again for the opportunity to have a chat with you. It's really a privilege. Then, age before beauty, Billy Ruiz is the CEO of Strata Fin, a financial solutions company who provide bodies corporate and homeowners association with responsible solutions for the debt in their community property schemes. Vili has practiced as a property attorney for over 20 years and has been involved in sectional title management over eight years. Founded in 2014, Vili built Stratofin from inception to where it is today, with debtors under management of over 300 million. Morning, Vili. How are you doing? Good morning. Thank you for the opportunity to be on your podcast again. Really appreciate it. As I said to Zelinda, only a pleasure and a great privilege. Okay, so let's kick off with this. Alternative solutions for power. The situation our country is currently in. So many things to consider. Insurance. I've spoken to Mike Addison of AdSure last week about all the do's and don'ts. There's aesthetic concerns, there's structural limitations, regulatory and legal complexities, operational and maintenance issues that needs to be considered, rules. That is definitely solar being the buzzword at the moment. So let's start with this. Linda, how should permission to install solar be obtained? And please describe the process and, and why it needs to be done this way. 
Thanks, Paul. Sure, there's, uh, this topic has most certainly grown, um, you know, its own tendrils and legs and arms and all sorts of fun things like that. And our opinions, you know, both us as TVDM consultants and Vili and his team and all of us with our Let's Get Physical panel as well have changed our opinions and motivated different opinions and really tried to assist schemes with practical advice obviously still being legal and as close to the sectional title schemes management act as, as possible, talking more about sectional title rather than any other community scheme, there's two ways to look at it. Either the body corporate is going to undertake an installation or individual owners are going to take installation, oh, undertake oh. installations rather. And if you chat to our colleagues, you mentioned Mike Addison earlier, Glenn van der Favor of MaxLights, you know, they will say that it is better for the body corporates to install solar as opposed to individual owners, but that's not, you know, possible for all body corporates. I'm sure during the course of the podcast, we'll talk about all the different methods of formalization. But when it comes to your quick question of how should permission be obtained, the first question is, where is it going to be installed? Who is going to install it? Obviously, it's going to be on common property. And who's going to install it, the body corporates or a member or members? And if it's the body corporate, it's a decision that has to revert to the members as it's an improvement or an upgrade to common property. And if it is going to be uh, an installation by an owner, then you know, you either need to get permission from the trustees, which we'll chat about, or you need to get permission from your fellow members, which is our preference. So before you just go ahead and, you know, make an order and get the solar and start installing it, you know, you have to ask those questions and then we can delve deeper into what level of permission is needed. But you have to start off with written permission one way or the other. Okay. All right. So what do we do with the solar installations that has already been done a year or two ago? where trustees thought they had the authority to give permission. No, it's, it's a difficult one. And, you know, the first thing the body corporate has to do or the trustees have to do is go and have a look at their rules to see whether or not this type of insulation was something that they were able to consent to. And if it wasn't, if their rules are silent on the issue, they need to take it to their members. Because other than the whole retrospective approval doing something to common property, which I don't believe is minor in this instance where no permission is needed, they do need to deal with the ramifications of this type of insulation, potential damages to common property, removal of the panel, maintenance, uh, insurance you mentioned earlier. There's a lot of things that are still going to come up and they need a clear path on the way forward. So it's most certainly something that needs to go to the members. And if it was within the trustee scope to actually approve, I hope they set conditions. Okay, thank you for that. And uh, you're quite right to summarize. It all boils down to the fact that no solar can be installed without the member's permission. Am I right? That's correct. Okay. Vili, as a result of schemes differ from each other, some say roof space should be rented out from the body corporate. Others say roof should be registered as exclusive use. What do you recommend in this regard? So, Bill, I think initially we all thought that maybe a singular approach was the approach to take and to maybe register in the event where owners want to put uh, solar onto the roof to register that as an exclusive use area. But I think as Linda has indicated, I think we've changed our minds over the time period that we've been discussing this and listening to everybody's opinion and opinions in this regard. And I think 
every scheme is unique and depending on how that scheme how the scheme is and what the roof space actually is available and if there's sufficient roof space for everybody and is a singular roof or if there are different units with their own individual roofs, it's all dependent on that and one can then take different approaches. So you can include it into your rules, in your prescribed management rules or your conduct rules or you can register a exclusive use area, or you can go the lease route. So there are different ways of dealing with it. And depending on the scheme, you will take different routes. I actually used an example in a previous webinar that we did of a scheme that is under administration with Confiance Administrative Solutions. And there are 38 individual units. It's a sectional title scheme, but 38 individual un- units as if they are homeowners associations or freestanding units with their own title deeds and each of them have their own roof and north facing and so forth. So in that instance, uh, one would not have to go to the extent of going to register a exclusive use area over that roof and you can only include it in the rules, um, conduct rules, and that would be sufficient in, in that manner. So depending on on the scheme, one will use different scenarios. One other thing that Zerlinda didn't mention, what needs to be determined still is also ownership of the equipment once it's installed on the roof. So that's also something that we will probably still see some court cases about and there need to be some or other answer and one needs to make sure that you deal with that in the way that you deal with it in the lease, in the rules and so forth. Thank you very much. Yes, this is rather complicated. I was just thinking Once these solar panels are, the necessary approval has been obtained, owner or a member receives the permission to proceed with the necessary rules in place, and a year or two down the line, ownership changes, he sells his property and he moves. May he take the solar panels with, or is it considered um, a fixture? Willie mentioned that Zalinda would be the most suitable to answer this question. Perfect, perfect. Thanks, um, Paul. So it's it's most certainly something that does need to be catered for in the rules. Now, the rules are going to bind any owner and the body corporates, but when it comes to whether or not it's a fitting or a fixture and whether or not it, it needs to move with the owner or change ownership, that's something that would need to be dealt with in the sales agreement or a lease agreement. And we've been drafting quite a few of them. And one of the things that people tend to not really raise is this whole change of ownership occupation thing. Now, this solar panels is something, in my opinion, and it's more of an engineering question than anything else, that could be removed. One could imagine that if it comes to its the end of its useful life, that it would need to be removed, replaced, repaired. The same with the roof. The roof would need maintenance and remedial work, replacement if necessary. And, you know, perhaps solar has a, has a bit of an influence on that too. But if it can be removed, then it is most certainly something that can be removed from the scheme in totality if there was a change of ownership. I don't believe that with the nature of the installation, it is something that is going to be, you know, picked up and taken with a person, but it does need to be recorded. Now, if you chat to to Mike Addison when it comes to insurance, he says that in order for it to be insured, it does need to be considered to be an e-movable item. In other words, something that does attach itself to the land, something that does form part of the common property. But with most installations, 
it's treated like a movable, which means it's it's not an, it can't be insured. It, it cannot serve its purpose uh, from the point of an insurance perspective. But that's why an exclusive use area route of formalization is the better option because the rule creating exclusive use can deal with this whole ownership issue and the insurance and and those functions can be delegated to the holder of the of the exclusive use area. If it's not going to be done via an exclusive use area, then most certainly it needs to be catered for in the rules, in the lease agreement, in the memorandum of understanding, whatever other written agreements uh, it's catered for. We've mostly said that it becomes uh, part of the common property, although the maintenance repair work and replacement if necessary is delegated to the owner of the section that is served by it. In other words, the installer and any successor in title. But it's definitely something that needs to be added. Our list of conditions have grown and grown and grown because of all of these things that come up. Yeah, I can think that. Okay, that that brings me to the following, Zelanda. I've seen on these conventions we've attended the eyes rolling if someone asks, do you have a template on what the rule <laughs> should look like? <laughs> but, but actually, it's it's a real need, and we get this asked almost on a daily basis. Would you recommend an attorney to draft these rules, and if you could perhaps give us an estimated cost? Sure. So if, if I'm not going to lie and say there isn't a template, there most certainly is, but I don't believe any template is suitable for all schemes. Correct. And if there were like these brilliant specific templates floating around, you know, people like myself wouldn't have a job. So I would hope that they would come to attorneys. What we look at mostly, if I think about the instructions we've received, is the creation of an exclusive use area rule. We put it in the conduct rules because that's a bit simpler than uh, management rules or registered that would need a high level of consent and some expenses. We can look at the, um, you know, Aubrey, for example, from Multiprof would look at the, would look at the layout plan and the schedule of allocation. And then we'd set out conditions in the exclusive use area rule. Alternatively, if you're just going to have a conduct rule dealing with an installation outside of EUAs, you'd have a list of conditions. And we're looking at anything between 15 minutes of our time to about 45 minutes of our time, depending on what option you're wanting to go for an exclusive use area, conduct rule, lease, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, you're looking at anywhere between one and a half thousand rand, three thousand rand, somewhere up there, depends on which route that you're going to go for. And I don't think it's a heck of a lot of money in the greater scheme of things to make sure that things are done correctly. If you're going to go for the lease option, bear in mind that it's something that's going to constantly change with ownership and occupation. Exclusive use areas, less so because it's going to be in your conduct rules and there until it's amended. We have to take into consideration that if you're amending your rules, it has to go to the community scheme ombud service for review and approval. And if you can't do that yourself, then obviously you would need someone to assist you with that. There are a lot of different role players that can assist. It doesn't have to be legal. It can be engineering. It can be insurance. But I think it's a little bit of everything. What we've done is we've worked with Glenn from a specific solar perspective, with Mike Addison from an insurance perspective, with Philip from Narba Consulting from an engineering perspective, and with Aubrey from Multiprof. And we've put together a set of rules and conditions that most certainly we believe will deal with 99.9% of the issues, but it all depends on which option you're going to go with, but it must be in writing. Yeah, I think for an amount less than 5,000 rand, this is really worth it, going that specific route. Vili, if a scheme wants to install solar and provide 
the service to its members. In other words, this is this now becomes a communal service, if I might call it that. That would be on a monthly basis rented out or financed by way of contribution from the different members that make use of this specific facility. Does Stratafin provide finance for such installation? Well, we definitely do. We have created a product specifically for that. And our product is very similar to the product where you would lease a copier in your office. And then after the period of lease, there is a final payment and then ownership goes over at the payment of that final payment. So the initial ownership rests with the financier and then ownership is transferred to the scheme on conclusion of the agreement and the payment of the final installment. So we've definitely done a product like that and we've assisted schemes in that regard. Yeah, so so definitely we have that product. There is also a power purchase agreement that is floating in the market. That is something completely different. I think um, at the Let's Get Physicals, we have discussed that, and that is more of a nature where a scheme actually rents out their roof space and then get an independent provider that then provides electricity throughout the day. It's not really connected to batteries, and they then sell electricity back to the scheme, and the scheme might make a margin on that, um, but that's completely different. It's something totally different. And I don't know if that is really focused on what our problem currently is in South Africa, where Ooh. schemes need electricity when load shedding occurs. Okay. I suppose this agreement or this loan agreement would obviously be for a specific term of a year or two or three years, depending on what the circumstances. When you consider such a loan application, what is the criteria before approving such an application? So what we do, uh, Paul, at Stratofin, we apply the Credit Act and we want to make sure that we do not do reckless lending to a scheme. So we want to see that a scheme has the necessary income to actually pay the loan over the period of the purchase of the equipment. So I think the most important thing is to look at the last three years of financials and see what is the status of that body corporate, what is the amount of outstanding debtors, is there compliance in respect of payment of levies, and is there sufficient levies uh, to actually pay for this, and is there a resolution by members that authorize the trustees to actually spend this money on behalf of the scheme in respect of, of the equipment so purchased. So I think that is the most important things that we check, and then obviously if there isn't sufficient money, then one needs to raise that as a levy or as a special levy, Especially if you, if you can't wait any longer um, and, it, and it's required, then that route is followed and then one needs to make sure we then make sure that over a period of six months that the scheme actually can pay that and that, they, that while the people are paying the levies, the special levy that was raised or the additional levy. And then once uh, we are sure that, that there is compliance with that regard, we will then uh, link the money to the scheme. One lady and one gent, you really raise my concern because everyone thought this was just a quickie. I want solar panels, I'm going to get the contractor and I'm going to have it installed. 
And it seems like there's much, much more to consider than just doing that. So ladies and gents, if you want to get hold of Zalinda for advice or guidance on rules to be created, when solar panels are installed, or even the process to get the necessary approval. Selinda, where can my listeners get hold of you? Okay, they can contact us on our website on www.tvdmconsultants.com. Otherwise, they can pop us a mail at info at tvdmconsultants.com. They can give me a call 082-402-4954 or pop me rather an email directly uh, to Zalinda at tvdmconsultants.com and that is Z-E-R-L-I-N-D-A. That is fantastic, Vili. If they want to contact you for finance or any other advice, where can you be reached? So they can also reach us through our website, which is stratafin.co.za. Alternatively, info at stratafin.co.za or at the office on 011-051-8555. And I think those are the three places where you can contact us. As you can see, both of these guests have wealth of knowledge. So please make use of it. Thank you so much for your time and we will talk again soon. This was Fitzsons Property Exchange, hosted by Pearl Skeltimer. Not only do we keep you informed on the very latest in the property industry, we also empower by expanding your knowledge base. Make sure to visit www.fitzon.co.za to find out more about sectional title scheme management, letting, sales and trustee training. Remember to subscribe to our channel and follow us on all our social platforms.